Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tegos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our webinar Wednesdays when we sit down with Smart Karma Insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another Webinar Wednesday by Smart Karma. I'm Michael Tegos. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Ankit Agrawal, who will discuss his forecasting model for identifying Asian companies that are likely to raise or cut buybacks. Ankit has written an extensive Smart Karma original insight in this regard, and you can access the model's live dashboard yourself. So do check that out if you're a subscriber on Smart Karma. Ankit is the founder and CIO of Yellowstone Equity, a firm providing unbiased and independent research on Indian equities. He focuses on equity bottom-up and forensic accounting, and his investment research experience spans across asset classes and geographies, acquired at such firms as InvestCorp and Howen Rustling. Ankit, thank you very much for being with us today. Over to you for your presentation. Thank you, Michael. Hello, everyone. Thank you for taking the time out for today's webinar. So since Michael has already introduced me, let me just hit it off the ground. Uh, let me get some of the disclaimers and disclosures out of the way. I'm a SEBI registered research analyst. I have no positions in any of the companies uh, that we'll be discussing in today's presentation. So just be mindful of that. Uh, let me just quickly hash out the agenda here. So I'll be briefly discussing the philosophy and approach behind our models, uh, the universe that we have used. Uh, I'll give a quick uh, overview of the live dashboard and then we can dive deeper into each of our buyback raise and buyback cut models. So one of the things uh, whenever we start designing our quantitative model, one of the things we keep in mind is uh, we always approach it from a first principles and fundamental perspective so that we don't get creeping data fitting biases into, into our models. So even for this model, uh, we started with very fundamental approach what kind of parameters uh, will affect whether uh, the decision of a company making a buyback or cutting buyback. So that's uh, that's the first principle that we've used. Another goal that we kept in mind for this model was we wanted to maximize the hit rate for our model because we the idea behind this model is to provide a fertile hunting ground for finding potential buyback growth uh, and buyback cut candidates. So we have tried to focus more on reducing type one errors, that is reducing false positives, rather than focus on finding ideas where the buyback growth or buyback cut could be the maximum in terms of magnitude. So those are the two overarching principles uh, behind our approach. Another thing that is worth highlighting and that is differentiated about our models is uh, we have used separate models for buyback raise and buyback cut. Uh, because just like with long ideas and short ideas, there are certain nuances uh, that are differ- very quite different for both of those camps. We think it's similar for buyback raise and buyback cut candidates. So that's why we used two different models. And uh, for the buyback raise model, we, we use about uh, seven parameters across balance sheet, fundamentals, and historical buyback patterns to design our model. And we use longer term data like five to seven years historical data to give a good grounding to our uh, our approach. Uh, for the buyback cut model, 
it's uh, this the buyback cut model is relatively simpler it uses only two parameters uh, one is the historical buyback pattern and the cash growth parameters uh, but uh, we vary the thresholds here to grade our conviction level and uh, help us give, get a good universe a good opportunity set for buyback cuts so uh, that's that's just general overview about the models uh, coming to the universe uh, we have restricted ourselves to asia uh, and uh, we have further applied uh, liquidity and size filters like uh, for mar for market cap we we have applied a minimum threshold of 5 billion dollars and for uh, daily liquidity we need at least 5 billion dollars so as to narrow down the universe to more actionable ideas and this yields is about uh, 920 plus companies of which about 400 companies are in developed asia and uh, uh, rest are in emerging asia so pretty healthy mix across uh, various countries in asia although dominated by China and Japan majorly. So this is the live dashboard that uh, we have created. So it's, this is just a snapshot of it. Uh, but in our insight, we have provided the link. So anybody with the link can access this dashboard and see the results of our models. Uh, there are three pages to the live dashboard. So this is the first page, which talks about candidates for buyback raise. We have a second page, which, which highlights the candidates for buyback cut. And then there is a third page which talks about a buyback timing analysis, which will come to, uh, will, which we'll discuss later in the presentation. Uh, so it's pretty simple and easy to use. At the top, there is a filter for a region through which uh, one can personalize the dashboard as per uh, the requirement. All right. So with that, let us uh, now move deeper into the models. So starting with the buyback raise model. So for the, for the model design, I think, uh, First of all, what we do is we screen the universe to include only those companies that have done share repurchases in the past. Uh, this is because our analysis suggests that predictability around buyback raise or cut is meaningful only where companies have had some re share repurchases in the past, even if uh, they are not for buybacks, but could be for other reasons like uh, buying for employees trust or, uh, or other reasons. Uh, so I think that is a peculiar filter that we have. Uh, but it significantly boosts the predictability and it doesn't narrow down the universe significantly. So uh, that is our overarching filter that we have used for both our models. After that, what we do is um, uh, we then apply a whole host of uh, different parameters and those selection of those parameters is based on the philosophy that uh, buybacks uh, tend to be sporadic in nature they're not like dividends they they are not consistent they're not regular they are very sporadic and they they depend on parameters like what is the excess cash on the balance sheet how fast is the cash growing is there excess cash generation relative to the growth opportunities are there any and then on the other side what are the uses of cash what are the what is what is in competition to uh, buy back for the use of that cash so uh, some of those Competitive uses could be like acquisitions or it could be uh, dividend payout uh, or capex for growth, right? So we have tried to think about those aspects and have tried to include parameters accordingly. So we definitely have the cash parameters, cash as a percentage of market cap to determine uh, whether there is excess cash on the balance sheet or not. We have included a cash growth parameter to understand whether the cash is growing or not. Uh, we to identify competing uses of cash like acquisitions, we have used goodwill, 
over total assets to identify whether a company has been acquisitive in the past or not. On the dividends, uh, we have used dividend payout parameter for companies where we want to see whether the company can fund its growth itself and create excess cash. We have used ROE versus long-term revenue growth parameters to understand whether the company can self-fund its growth or does it have to rely on external capital. And then we have also used some uh, more particular parameters like long-term revenue growth below a certain threshold to weed out uh, some very high growth companies. Uh, that's basically the philosophy driving the selection of parameters. And then we have, uh, based on our backtest insights, used the thresholds appropriately to, to come up with uh, this multi-stage filtration model where initially we start with a combination of a couple of parameters, then we keep adding more parameters and uh, to drive our conviction level. So one of the, like some of the differentiating aspects are we use uh, this uh, parameters like goodwill over total assets to identify whether the company is acquisition driven or not. Uh, for dividend payouts, ideally dividend, one would think that dividend is a competing use of cash. So a company paying dividends might not go for buyback. But based on our analysis, uh, we have concluded that dividends are not actually competing uh, uses of cash versus buyback, but they in fact signal that the company itself has a good capital return discipline. And uh, if uh, if there is a high dividend payout, it usually helps uh, in predicting whether the company will do high buybacks or not. So a high dividend payout is preferable. So those are some nuances and interesting insights. Uh, that we have incorporated into this model, uh, which has helped us uh, lead to good results. So before I talk about my backtest results, let me just quickly also talk about the scoring and ranking process. So we use two types of scoring. We use absolute score and we use relative score. For absolute score, we pass the model through filtration for all this, all these multiple stages of filtration. And each advanced stage of filtration leads to an incremental score of one. So any company passing the stage one gets a score of one. And then as uh, it goes about the, as it goes about multiple stages, it, it gets an incremental score of one. For the relative score, we have used cumulative buyback over the past five years. So any share repurchases over the past five years, what is the quantum of that in relative to the average market cap? And uh, we have, uh, we then rank those companies uh, based on this parameter. And higher up the rank means that you have done higher buybacks in the past. And if that is the case, then usually uh, the future buybacks tend to be lower in terms of magnitude. So the buyback growth tends to be lower. So higher the uh, past buybacks, lower the future buyback growth. So we have punished those companies where the buybacks have been higher. And so their score would be lower and they would have a lower conviction in, in our uh, model. The absolute score, obviously, any score above three and four is a high conviction. And we'll talk about the hit rates from our backtest analysis to, to show why we have high conviction on stage three and stage four companies. So let me then talk, move to backtest results. Uh, so as can be seen, like for our high conviction companies, like for the absolute score four, we have a 87% plus hit rate. So in our, Backtest results, um, we, ex we, we projected about 31 companies to raise their dividend uh, buybacks and 27 of them actually raised. So that gave us 87 plus uh, percentage hit rate. 
and even for absolute score of three, we get eighty percent plus hit rate. So that leads us to high conviction classification for this. And even for like lower absolute score, like one, uh, we get sixty plus hit rate, which is reasonable. And uh, as I alluded to earlier, like we don't focus too much on the magnitude of growth, uh, but even if you look at the jump in buyback in the last column, as you can see, like all of these have seen good jumps in their uh, buyback. So even for absolute score of three and four, on average, uh, the buybacks have jumped by nine times uh, relative to the past five years. So over the next five years, their buyback quantum jumped nine times over the last versus the last five years. So it's a pretty healthy jump even in terms of magnitude. So this is just uh, the correlation analysis that shows that uh, uh, when you arrange the future buybacks, when you rank the future buybacks in descending order and the historical buybacks in ascending order, there is a positive correlation. So lower the uh, historical buybacks, higher the future uh, buybacks. So that's how we have used uh, this relative. That's what we have used for the relative scoring. And what is interesting is that the, even the regression on this comes out to be very statistically significant for the 95% confidence band. So that gives further confidence to our analysis. Uh, in terms of forecasted results based on our model, we obtained 42 companies with high conviction score. So 46 companies with three plus uh, absolute score. And uh, as can be seen, most of the you know, filtered results, high conviction names are dominated by China and Japan, uh, which is not a big surprise because even the universe is dominated by uh, China and Japan. So uh, they are going to show higher representation proportionately as well. So. So that's the forecasted results. And then just within those results, the our top five picks based on the absolute score and the relative score are this. Uh, so it, it, as can be seen, like this is a good mix uh, in terms of uh, country representation and sector representation. Uh, and if you look at some of the commonalities among these five names, we notice that each of them have had uh, minuscule share repurchases in the past, and none of which were buybacks. And this is interesting because, like, uh, when we even when we run the backrest analysis, uh, what we noticed is that uh, about 50% of our high conviction, 50% of uh, companies where there were the absolute score came out very high, they had some share repurchases, but those were not for buybacks and those were minuscule. But those were the companies that showed the most exponential jump in, in the buybacks. So it's the same thing for our top five picks as well. And uh, the cash levels uh, as percentage of average market cap for these companies are pretty healthy. They are all in the 10 to 20% range and in some cases even higher than 50%. Uh, also, the goodwill is less than 5% in most of them, which suggests that these companies have not been very acquisition driven or at least they've been very conservative when acquiring companies. Uh, the dividend payout in each of them has been 25% plus. And the median ROEs have exceeded long-term growth, which means they can they have been self-funding the growth. And even the long-term revenue growth are not is not very high. It's less than eight percent for most of them. So these are not very high growth companies, which means they can afford to return capital through buybacks. Okay, now moving on to the buyback cut model. Again, uh, I think the overarching filter of cumulative buyback greater than zero percent applies. Here. We didn't have to use uh, some of the other parameters that have been used for buyback raise model. 
because uh, we found that they were creating noise but weren't contributing to the signals and uh, and the thing is uh, philosophically and fundamentally it makes sense because uh, buybacks as i said is are sporadic and uh, you don't do it uh, regularly and if in the history in the past you have done a lot of buyback then the likelihood that you'll do future buybacks will decrease so the obvious parameter is the historical buyback and that is what we have used as well and we have just kept on raising the thresholds across the stages uh, so that it becomes more and more stringent and our conviction rate improves and then at the very last we have added a new parameter like the cash growth because if, uh, if cash is declining uh, most companies would feel nervous in uh, raising buybacks so that's an additional parameter that i added but it's a pretty simplistic model from from that perspective and uh, and again the scoring and ranking is pretty much similar is just that the higher the relative score which means higher the past buybacks uh, higher our conviction that the magnitude of cut would be uh, more than the peers so that is the only distinction but otherwise the analysis is pretty much the same i think for the back test results i'll show that the correlations and everything come out pretty similar even though the uh, the 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 companies that we have used for the back test results here are different but the correlation analysis and all come same so and so just uh, moving on to the back test results then here the hit rates we get for the high conviction names is 94% 94% plus and uh, for for this companies for this uh, for the companies with absolute score 3 and above the buybacks have declined by one third uh, over next 5 years versus uh, last 5 years so pretty strong results across hit rate and the magnitude of cut of the buyback as i alluded to the correlation comes out to be pretty similar and uh, there is a inverse correlation between growth in future buyback and historical buyback uh, in terms of uh, forecasted results we get a total of 187 companies that pass our filters and of this the high conviction companies uh, that is companies with score of above are about 55 here the results are dominated by japan uh, with about 74% representation followed by china so that's uh, just a quick overview of the results and then within those results that our top 5 picks is uh, our four japanese companies and one south korean company in terms of sector mix it is pretty well distributed and if you look at commonalities across this uh, five companies one would notice that all of these companies have had very high cumulative buybacks of 25 20% plus as percentage of market cap so pretty high number and even the decline in cash has been pretty steep at more than 20% uh, for all of them so that's uh, so that's the buyback cut model uh we have also conducted an analysis on buyback timing uh so that uh, users can also incorporate the buyback timing track record uh when making their investment decisions so we have tried to identify companies uh which have had good track record and what we have done is like we have we have taken the past 5 uh, announced buyback transactions and of these the transactions that have closed uh we have tried to see how have the the prices moved uh since the announcement so uh and the one month three month six month one year and three year uh, columns that you see here 
they are nothing but average of price performance over this five buyback transactions uh, since the announcement. So based on your horizon and uh, you could filter, you can sort the companies here by uh, by the horizon that you think is most appropriate to determine the buyback track record and uh, determine which companies have had good buyback timing. We have sorted it by one year and three months. So one can see that uh, some of these companies like Komatsu, Godrej Consumer, uh, etc. They have a pretty good timing for their buybacks. And then uh, just talking about uh, some of the risks and limitations of our models. As I said, like our focus has been on uh, finding, uh, fo maximizing hit rate. So fo our focus has been on conviction than the magnitude of buyback growth and cut. Uh, so uh, please bear in mind uh, that aspect of the model. Uh, nonetheless, our models, the high conviction names, uh, report good, pretty high amount of buyback growth and cut. So it's good that coincidentally both the conviction as well as the magnitude go hand in hand. Uh, but just be mindful of that. Uh, also, while the backtest results are good, the usual disclaimer is past strong results do not necessarily indicate strong future results. So please be mindful of that. Uh, nonetheless, because of our first principles approach and fundamental driven approach, uh, we think the models are quite robust and have multiple use cases. It can be also used by quant managers who are more interested in uh, basket-based approach. And at the same time, it can be also used by fundamental managers who might want a filtered universe uh, for further deep dive analysis for buyback growth and buyback cut opportunities. So, and then we have used relative score based ranking, uh, but uh, for the buyback cut model, uh, we, well, while the correlations are conducive, uh, we did not find statistical uh, significance as opposed to the buyback raise middle where we were able to find both the correlation and statistical significance as well. So please be mindful of that. Uh, nonetheless, I think uh, fundamentally companies that have done uh, high quantum of buyback in the past is less likely to do future buybacks. So that fundamentally that principle works, but mathematically uh, that is a caveat that one should keep in mind. In terms of data limitations, we have used share repurchase data and uh, not buyback data. So keep that in mind. But uh, I mean, that is the overarching filter that we have used that we need to have at least some share repurchase in the past. Uh, but as I mentioned, like uh, that filter works really well. And uh, even in the backtest results, the companies where there were, there was no non-zero minuscule buybacks uh, showed the most exponential growth in future buybacks. So I think that parameter coupled with other more fundamentally driven parameters gives the model a pretty robust standing. And also we have used averages for calculation of our parameters to, to counter any seasonality and cyclicality impact. Uh, but uh, averages have a downside in the sense that uh, sometimes they could be too skewed by uh, some outlier one of data points. So just be mindful of that as well. And then uh, we'll, we'll be doing periodic updates for our models. So we'll be doing quarterly updates and we'll be publishing the uh, every quarterly the updated results through the same live dashboard link. But uh, note that uh, we don't incorporate mid-year data. We take only full-year fiscal year data. 
so whenever we publish uh, for the next quarter like let's say when we publish uh, not all companies might have updated full year data so those uh, data those com- for, for those companies will still rely on the full year fiscal data from the past so just be mindful of that as well all right so i think with that i am i'm at the end of my prepared remarks thank you so much for listening to me patiently and happy to take any questions thank you very much for this very thorough look ankit i wanted to check you mentioned as one of your criteria companies that have had at least some uh, share repurchase history can you elaborate on that a bit and where where do companies that have no share repurchase history fit in right right no that's a great question and a good observation i think so this is this is a peculiar filter i i didn't expect it to originally use it and it is something that i came across when i was running the backtest analysis what happens is when i apply this filters uh, my universe narrows down to about 350 to 400 companies so when i ran my model on this part of the universe the results came out encouraging uh, because uh, i think uh, there is an element of past buyback history like if a company has done some past buybacks in the past or some re- share repurchases i think they uh, they are already warmed up in terms of uh, doing buybacks or at least uh, they have a capital return discipline so i think applying this filter helps in filtering out the companies where the predictability could go high but at the same time like i also tried running my model on companies where there was no share repurchase history because there were so many other fundamental parameters i had so i tried a lot of trial and error for those parameters to apply to companies where there is no share repurchase history but uh, the predictability was pretty poor like uh, every time i would get hit rates of uh, maximum 55 60% so uh, i couldn't uh, like uh, figure out a way to model uh, the rest of the universe so uh, but i still i was still happy with the, the overall results because i was still working on a narrowed universe of 300 400 companies which was wide enough for me to pick 5200 companies 5200 high conviction companies so so that's why that's why i went ahead with it got it thank you for that the model is very heavily focused in asia of course um but could it be applied to other regions and would the would the methodology need to change at all so yeah i initially i i focused on asia but given the fundamentals this because uh, given the same fundamentals would apply to any company anywhere in the world i, I would guess the model would extend to other regions as well uh maybe based on some based on back test analysis we may find some we may want to incorporate some nuances here and there but i feel broadly the model should work as it is and in fact in our past models like uh, the forensic analysis model we have successfully extended the model to other regions and they have worked well so uh, i'm guessing it would work it would be the same for this one as well and hopefully in future we'll we'll plan to we'll plan to extend the model to other regions as well i see thanks and attendee asks uh which are the main bourses that the model covers and does the model show also how the share price performed uh or well performed during the buyback period right so there are about uh, 13 countries across developed asia and emerging asia uh which we have listed out in our in our universe slide so all these 
are included. So wherever the primary listing and the primary office, uh, as long as the primary listing and primary offices are in this uh, regions, uh, we have included mm -hmm. those companies in our universe. And in terms of your second part of the question about the price analysis, I have, while, while I was running the models, I was uh, simultaneously also doing price analysis to see uh, whether there's a favorable correlation between buyback growth and price as well. Uh, I don't have a formalized analysis for that, but there is definitely a favorable correlation between the two. And maybe in the next update, we will probably do a more formalized analysis and put it out. Understood. Uh, a follow-up question is, uh, does the model also show the duration of each past or projected buybacks? No, not at this point. I, I think we have uh, relied on last five-year buyback. And also for backtest analysis, we have included only next five-year buyback. But uh, we don't have duration metrics. Maybe we can think about incorporating that, that as well in our analysis. Mm-hmm. Yes, and as you mentioned, you will keep updating the model in the coming months. So uh, subscribers should definitely keep an eye out for that and for more insights to come from Ankit. In the meantime, Ankit, thank you very much for this presentation and for answering our questions. Please note that Ankit is available for bespoke research requests or premium services. So please contact your Smart Karma account manager in this regard. And you can find more details on those ideas presented today in Ankit's insights on Smart Karma. If you have any other questions or comments, please email us at research at smartkarma.com. Ankit, thank you very much once again. Thank you, Michael, and thank you everyone for joining today's webinar. That's it for this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with your networks and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening and see you at the next one.